Hi, my name is Garvey Dobbins, and I want to personally thank you for listening to the Fun Theater Collective's first podcast. Please enjoy. Hello, and welcome to Fun Theater Co. the podcast. This afternoon, here with me, I have Garvey Dobbins. Hi. Lauren Freitz. Hello. Kayla Schultz. Hi. And myself, Marcus Sharnoff. Since this is our first episode, I would like to introduce us. After we graduated this past May from George Mason University, in the midst of a pandemic, all four of us decided to move to Baltimore City. Despite being out of artistic work, we all knew theater needed something new, intimate, and fresh. While still pursuing our other artistic endeavors, we decided to band together and create the Fundamental Theater Collective. Lauren, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yes, I can. My name is Lauren Freights. I use she, her pronouns. I like to watercolor and eat cheese. That's a fun fact about me. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, that was great. I like cheese as well. Oh, what kind? What is your favorite kind of cheese? Um, probably blue cheese. Really? What? Yeah, and that a lot of people disgusting. don't like it. <laughs> yeah, I'm Look, sorry. Blue cheese is good on a lot of things like sandwiches. Um, also, hot wings. Oh, to Not die wings. for. Hot wings. Hot wings. It's got to be hot wings. Well, Garvey, since you spoke up about your love of blue cheese, um, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. I use he, his, him pronouns and. I actually, um, I love, I love, love, love vanilla buttermilk protein waffles. <laughs> I know this may sound crazy, but yeah. they're my guilty pleasure, and I enjoy them every time I eat them. I eat them late at night as well as early in the morning. Are they like an anytime kind of food for you? Yeah, that's like the only snack I really eat. That's a snack? <laughs> that's a snack, yeah. And like, if you drizzle, like... A lot of syrup, like I mean, a lot. Uh, I I just like them to soak up. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like I'm thinking about them right now. It's like... <laughs> well, thank you for that, Garvey. Um, Kayla, could you tell me a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name is Kayla. You can refer to me using they, them, or she, her pronouns. And I am an animal lover and holiday enthusiast. Yes. yes you are. I would consider you a holiday enthusiast. I would also consider you a holiday enthusiast. You've got that box. Thank you. I do holiday have a decoration. Of holiday decorations. What's in your box of holiday decorations? Uh Christmas stuff like wreaths and like mini mm-hmm. Christmas trees. Some Thanksgiving y like garlands and some Halloween stuff is in there. I took some more Halloween decorations home from my parents' house that will also be added to the collection of Right. Holiday things. I just like to decorate. Okay. Well, great. Um, now that everyone else has introduced themselves, I will introduce myself. My name is Marcus Sharnoff. I use he, him, his pronouns. And something fun about me is that I will put hot sauce on just about anything. And I am a Libra. <laughs> what is the most recent thing that you put hot sauce on? What I put hot sauce on some rice and beans I made. Just on Thursday. Ooh, nothing yeah. like some hot rice. Nothing like some hot rice and <laughs> hot beans with some onions in it. Mmm, delicious. <laughs> what kind of beans? Um, they were red beans and rice. 
love, love beans and rice. Well, enough about food. <laughs> In today's episode, we are going to be talking about COVID-19 and its impact on the arts across the globe. Now, as of October 30th at 12 p.m., there have been 8,924,548 cases, which is one of the highest in the world. Worldwide, there have been 45,389,588 cases. In the last seven days alone, in just the United States, there have been 537,501 new cases reported. Hold up. Jeez. The past week, there's been half a million new cases that may be in a, the U.S. There's <laughs> been 537,501 cases in the past week. In the last seven days. The, in, in the, the United US? States. The in Trump the United States alone, yeah. thinks that it's, like, over. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> our current... Amazing. Yes. Um, so there have been... Well, this is now saying 90,155 new cases. But this is um, a report from the CDC website mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that has been updated since January 21st, 2020, which I know we weren't really told about the pandemic until March. February March. or March. Well, March is when, March is when March actually is, action yeah. started happening. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, February, yeah. We, we started we knew hearing about it, about it exactly. in February. Yeah. I remember mm -hmm. in like, Rick's class, he was telling us about the John Hopkins run like global count and we can like mm -hmm. track it yeah which yeah. is ironic yeah. because now we moved to where yeah. Hopkins <laughs> where they're doing is. That, right. yeah mm -hmm. but like even then we had no idea how bad yeah. it was gonna go no we didn't and it you know it's still bad and you know it's only increasing and you know people are dying left and right uh, just in the u.s alone there's been 228,100 deaths and within the past week there's been 1,055 deaths Oh related God. to wow. COVID-19 and its symptoms, which 228,000 is just the deaths in America. So we have about 25% of the deaths that are related to COVID-19, which... Oh, that's oh really my bad. God. Yeah. And people are saying it's because our country's so big and, oh, we can't stop the spread of it. And that's just... It's not true. No. no. And they think the numbers are fake. Yeah, they're like, yeah. oh, it's because we have so much testing. Our testing is so great. That's why it's so high. Oh You're delusional. Yeah. yeah. People who think the pandemic isn't real are delusional. If you're listening to this and think I just called you delusional, you're, you're delusional. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Delusional. You are yeah. correct. It's bad. And then, like, I think we've all been, we've been lucky to go this far. And like stay clean for so long. No, well, we really have. I'm convinced I already had it. Cause there was a time in really yeah, there was mm. a time in early February. Bef uh, I was working some light hang for a show at George Mason. Some light hang. Some light hang. You know, <laughs> um, I was just really sick. Like I came in sick. I was really nauseous and coughing, and Ooh. yeah. And I actually got sent home from work, which has never really happened to me before. Yeah, did Whoa. you have like a fever? I don't know if I had a fever. I didn't have a thermometer at the time. <laughs> you don't have one on you? But... <laughs> 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 I 
I'm surprised we don't have a thermometer app yet from like Apple. Right? Especially <laughs> yeah. That would be sweet. Like an infrared shit Actually, in our cameras? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, I got sent home, and I was in rehearsals for Men on Boats at the time uh, as a stage manager, and I missed rehearsal for three days, which is kind of a big deal. Yeah, yeah that is a big deal. As the stage manager, but I was, like, laying in bed. I didn't really get out of bed for, like, two days, and I was just sick and coughing the whole time. So I'm Dang. convinced I've already had it. Oh, my God. Yeah. should get some kind of... Like antibody testing and see if I you should. like. Which I mean, they don't even—they're not even sure anymore if it's the case. So if you get it once, you won't get it again. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's probably likely because your body is going to be mm-hmm. used to it and like will know how to fight it off better for sure. Well, my coworker has had COVID twice. Oh my god. <laughs> so you can definitely d- get it again. You can and get she it again. Got it pretty back to back. Dang. Yeah. Has she experienced any like? After effects? No, she hasn't. But she does have asthma. Mm. Same. So, yeah. What's like really scary about this is people are saying that like their bodies have not been the same since the last you know quote recovering. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There are some cognitive effects that have been happening, which is so scary. Yeah. Yeah. If I have worse memory after getting (laughs) COVID. It's not going to be good for anybody. Doesn't it um, bring out uh, like early onset amnesia? It does something with, like it like actually affects your memory. Wow. Oh my god! Long term. I did not. Know I think that. I didn't know that either. Um, Let me stay away from the gym. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, wear a mask. Back to wear some more statistics. Since we are now Maryland residents. Maryland alone has had 5,623 new cases in the past seven days. Jeez. Which, 5,623 cases. Which is not too many. The top state that has had the most amount of cases in the past seven days is Texas. And they've had 41,720. But Illinois is right there behind there. So maybe all of those old people from that Trump rally got COVID. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's all of them. It's maybe. all of them. Those the are... Trump rally where they were stuck out in the cold was in mm-hmm. Nebraska. Which uh, they, are they were abandoned. Really well, on the rise with cases. Nebraska has had 6,865 new cases. There you wow. go. And that's a lot because no one lives there. Yeah. yeah their Who population is lives probably in lower than Maryland. Not a lot of people live in Oh, Nebraska. for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, they probably have the same electoral representation as Maryland. <laughs> now that we think about it. But, um, you know, these cases just keep going up, and our government's not doing anything about it. You know, you know how the Senate... Isn't yeah. it the Senate is not in session for the next two yeah, weeks they're, they're because of the election? Yep. yep. Yeah, they, like, just confirmed Amy Coney Barrett. We're yeah. Like, okay. We're gonna take a break. And now they have they a supermajority, don't they? Well, in the Supreme Court. Oh well, yeah. yeah. They're six three mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Which is why they're talking about back in the court. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which it's so unfortunate that we have to think of the court as like six three with the conservative majority, mm-hmm. when yeah. the Supreme Court isn't supposed to have any affiliation right. at all. Right. right. They're supposed to be impartial. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the judge's job to choose what battles they want to fight and do it to the best of their ability. Right. Yeah. Unbiased. They have to like uphold the Constitution, mm-hmm. but they're gonna uphold 
the things that they want, you mm-hmm. know, and especially with all these newer, like, I guess, nominees that we're getting, and it's so much in more of, like, a partisan environment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they know that that's their agenda, you know? Yeah. Like, if we were to roll all the way back to when Anson Scalia was confirmed and became a Supreme Court judge, he probably did not have the same mindset of, like, Republican conservative win. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. As right. a situation right. that we had um, with Brett Kavanaugh, Amy Coney Barrett. Yeah. Same scenario. Now, how does coronavirus spread? Mainly through respiratory droplets produced by when an infected person coughs, sneezes, sings, talks, or breathes. When these particles are inhaled into the mouth, nose, airways, and lungs, infection will occur. Now, this is pulled straight from the CDC website. And I say this because this is thought to be the main spread of COVID-19. Yeah, no one's sure. No one is really sure what this... (laughs) Because otherwise, (laughs) we would have had it fixed by now. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, the amount of times that the research on that has changed. Yeah. And it was like surfaces, and then no surfaces, and... Mm -hmm. I mean, it's constantly changing, and since it is flu-like, you know, it's important to stay stay cautious. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. It's going to be, like, hard to tell. Yeah. Because we're all going to get flu-like symptoms we're, right. in we're some all, way yeah. or another. That's why it's important to get tested. Getting tested yeah. regularly is yeah. important. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, since it is mainly from the understanding that the CDC has, since it is mainly spread through respiratory droplets and singing and talking and especially talking loudly. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> especially yelling. Especially <laughs> yelling and... Whispering um, in people's ears. Yeah. Whispering in people's no, ears. Don't do no. that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it. That, I feel like it directly impacts theater as an art form. Oh, for sure. Right. T- talking and singing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and having and an audience of people <laughs> yeah. open together. their mouths and react. Mm-hmm. True. Directly facing you. That's a horrible yeah. scenario. People Thank sweating you. on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been to a few theaters. Oh yeah. And spitting, people spit. People yeah, spit. Yeah, that physical contact, like whether on purpose or not on purpose, I think is one of the reasons we like theater. I think there's part of it where we all do like come together. For sure, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. a good thing about it, and that you know directly means that we can't function as normal because of the pandemic. Whether right. it's actual performances or the rehearsal process, yeah, would be impacted the same yeah. way. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm people are starting to have alternatives. It's happening everywhere. It's, it's globally and locally. Um, people are starting to change the way they present art. I mean, a few examples would be on Broadway. They're doing radio plays now. Didn't oh, know really? that. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, Norm Lewis is presenting a, a radio play, and they're charging much less than it would be for if you were seeing an actual, you know, yeah, Broadway that's show. Funny. Which yeah, is that funny. would make yeah. sense. Yeah. <laughs> Because who else would want to see that? And that's why it, it's it's also a good thing that, I mean, it's not a good thing that we're in a pandemic, but <laughs> <laughs> but we uh, get to see art more. We do. Yeah. Uh, we are. I have consumed more art in the past since February March mm-hmm. than I have in the past few years. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, working all the time never really lend lended myself with free time to actually consume the art that I enjoyed. 
Um, well, you were spending your time creating it. But yeah. I, I was spending my time creating it. But as a also an avid consumer of the arts, mm -hmm. I think it's just as important to create as it is to consume. Sure. And, you know, Broadway is so inaccessible to so many people. Yeah. It definitely is. Um, so I think it's a great thing that these radio plays are not <laughs> hundreds of dollars yeah. <laughs> to Could listen you to. <laughs> Could you imagine? More accessible and affordable yeah. theater is mm -hmm. only a positive thing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And they're even releasing older stuff yeah. Yeah. that like has been beautifully recorded mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. you know no one's doing anything with. More things like that are becoming available. Mm -hmm. yeah. Whether no for calls. free or yeah. for... Which is you know, really just... A small fee. A subscription you know, Or Disney donations. Plus. Yeah, yeah. A subscription. <laughs> True. I know at the beginning of March, um, the National Theater released recordings of their shows. There was a weekly recording that was released and was up for like a week. It was up mm -hmm. for six or seven days. And then a new one was added, which um, my roommates and I at the time would watch some of it together. And I just thought that was such a great strategy, such a great way to bring the arts to the home, because it was free. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. Um, I really hope that it keeps up. I agree. Even if the recordings of the shows are released for free after the run, people are still going to pay to see it. Oh, for, for sure. sure. Oh, yeah. Because it's nothing they like absolutely. being in the actual audience. Yeah, right. everybody knows there's nothing like being in the room, but having that accessibility to it yeah afterwards using it in the classroom mm -hmm. whatever it may be yeah mm -hmm. i completely agree i feel Support. like how are we supposed to learn from it right exactly you know? mm -hmm. and study it and you know it's such a big problem in the artistic community is about the lack of accessibility whether it's a as a visual artist it's you know hard to gain a following as a visual artist it's hard to get your work seen as a visual artist because without resources, without money, you have no way of being seen. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, and the same thing goes with theater. Um, theater, it takes a lot of money to produce a show. Right. And uh, not to, s like, have an excuse for how that's why tickets are expensive, but in order to offset the production cost of a show, you know, they mm -hmm. pour in hundreds of thousands of dollars into Broadway shows. Right. Mm -hmm. and Maybe it, even millions. It's oh, not yeah. like these are public theaters either. Right. Yeah. They have to make money. They have yeah. to make revenue. Yeah. Broadway Broadway theaters are all for-profit theaters as opposed to a non-profit theater. Right. Imagine how much more theater tickets at any theater would cost if everybody was getting paid the right amount. <laughs> right. <laughs> it would, even more. Yeah. There's such um, an under uh, understated current of inaccessibility. Inaccessibility is huge in the arts community and in the theater community. But um, in the light of the pandemic, I know there are some theaters who have been putting on um, live shows. Mm -hmm. And uh, how is that working? Well, um, you know, no one can be inside. So mm -hmm. um, a lot of people are doing outdoor concerts, mm -hmm. like Next Stop Theater. It's a great example. They're presenting concerts where their patrons will just come sit outside. They have a nice setup for them in the parking lot. Socially distanced. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that's going to come to a close pretty soon. 
once it's colder, yeah. yeah once it's colder and sure. numbers start to pick back up again, which they already are. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess it's also a kind of a morality question of even if you're doing socially distant rehearsals, people slip up. Mm-hmm. They forget to put their masks on. They forget to have it over their nose. They fall. Mm-hmm. And even if you're outside or if you're rehearsing indoors, I feel like there's just a level of morality and ethics that we're not really speaking about. There's going to be a risk no matter what you yeah. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. No matter what you do, no matter how safe you're trying to be, you're mm-hmm. still at risk by leaving your house in any capacity, going to the yeah. grocery store. I guess it's a matter of how much risk you're willing to take and yeah. how much um, how much you're willing to risk someone else's safety. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. With a concept like that of, you know, let's say we're rehearsing an outdoor concert to, you know, put on for the socially distanced public, there is still that level of risk, but there's that, you know, consent to the risk. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That would make it different than, like, oh, what if my mask falls off at the grocery store? It's like, <laughs> yeah. when it's outside of that, like, I guess, public space, then, you know, at the end of the day, you, like, can't tell people what to do. And that's why right. a lot mm-hmm. of, like, anti-maskers are having a hard time being told to wear a mask. But yeah. when you're in, like, the public space, just like a public school, the government's rules applies right. to you. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I say that like the government has rules. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's been more like local authorities and stuff. Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Signs outside of everywhere says, the governor says, you have to wear a mask. Right. You know? A lot of theater artists Mm -hmm. specifically have taken Zoom by storm. Yes. I mean, Zoom has taken... The Zoom plays. All of us by storm. You know, Zoom really capitalized Mm -hmm. and swooped in. That's where we need to buy stock. That is where we, we do need Zoom. to buy stock. Zoom. Zoom and Twitter. <laughs> Zoom and Twitter. Open? They're open, open for business. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that Maryland's Public. slogan? That's what I meant. Open for business? Yeah. We're that is business. their state slogan. We're open for it's, business. But right now, it's mask up Maryland's. Is it really? That's what it says. <laughs> that's that's what it says on the highway when you're like driving from Virginia oh, to Maryland. Across the bridge? Yep, across the bridge. It says mask up Maryland. Wow. I mean, it's good. I mean, it's good. good. I mean, you know, I've seen more signs driving on the highway in Maryland about wearing a mask and staying socially distant Mm -hmm. than I did in my time living in Virginia. Mm. In my time. (laughs) (laughs) My whole life prior to this. Except for now. (laughs) Um, My time of living in Virginia in the pandemic, which honestly was not very long. No. No. I moved to Maryland in June. But let's talk about Zoom theater. Yeah. How does everyone feel? I personally do not like Zoom theater in any way. I was part of a Zoom play. You were. I was. And it was, I mean, it was fine. (laughs) (laughs) What was it? Tell tell us about the experience doing that. Yeah. What were the rehearsals like? What was the performance like What was the process like? So we had individual meetings Mm -hmm. first with the stage manager I had a Zoom meeting with her, and I carried her around my room on my laptop so we could figure out the best mm-hmm. blank wall that I had. Um, and she was just like, grab all of your lamps, turn them on, let's get this lighting <laughs> going, let's make sure you're lit well. Um, 
Zoom, the performance was a live Zoom performance, and it was happening in the evening time, so right around sunset. So she was like, make sure you cover your windows because we don't want any changes in lighting as the night progresses. Uh, and then I had a Zoom meeting with the costume designer, and she just had me pull out all of my clothes and decide what I was gonna wear. And we picked out a few options because once we had all of our Zoom windows open and we could see everybody, she was gonna play around with colors to see who was next to who and how that whole thing was gonna work out. And the stage manager controlled our mics and our cameras, so we weren't allowed to touch anything. And it, it flowed pretty well, they had a very good system. I did the show with Hangar Theater in Ithaca, New York. It was Uncommon Excerpts and Others, and I played Kenesha Johnson. I had three lines. Kenesha Johnson. Kenesha Johnson. <laughs> it was great. It, they did a great job, and they definitely mm. leaned into the camp that is Zoom theater. That's right. So yeah, it wasn't like they weren't trying to do Medea right. like <laughs> on Zoom, which you is what they did. And Zoom. they did Medea, and it was hilarious. And they just really leaned into the fact that it was on Zoom. And it was. Yeah. And you they did a great job. Yeah. You do. For sure. I mean, I think that's really important. I think um, part of my like reaction to Zoom theater and being like, well, is it even theater? Like, there is even like an audience there, and not really in a group. What's happening? Mm -hmm. Is that I just have to take it in the sense that it's a it's a reading. It's not a play. Yeah. It's a reading. Sure. Like on sure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I can agree with that. I can shift that lens in order for me to like want to participate in it a little right. more. Yeah. But I mean maybe that's a personal thing. I don't think it's really theater. I think it's it was it was a little disheartening. Theater, sure. Not gonna lie. It was a little disheartening being a part of it because they did a great job trying to get the cast involved with each other. So after rehearsals, we would have um, we had two rehearsals with everybody. After those rehearsals, they had like a little happy hour on Zoom. So right. we could like get to know each other a little bit like a regular company would do together. But it was a little disheartening at the same time because it mostly made me miss just being able to do theater and be a part of a production. Is it worth it if it's not mm -hmm. actually checking all the boxes? Yeah. That wanted to? But at the same time, it was, I knew that that was the most fulfillment I was going to get and that I wasn't alone in that feeling. So mm -hmm. it just made me excited to, I mean, be out of this pandemic, but there's nothing that yeah. I can do about that for no. a while. I just worry that Zoom theater puts too much on the individual because mm. they have to worry about aspects of lighting themselves or making sure their connection's good making sure the audio is okay. If the device isn't working for you, then there's there's nothing to be done. You have to depend on the, the individual artist. Yeah, and technology. Yeah. It technology is more expensive right now to be acting from home. Yeah, you have to really invest in a quality microphone and a quality camera and mm -hmm. quality lighting so that you're fully lit behind a screen which emits blue light which mm -hmm. makes people look off, you know. And you know that, because... I do know that, because I am a lighting designer. Right. Which, um, <laughs> you know, in light of the pandemic... Ah! <laughs> I was also thinking that, you know, in light of the pandemic, it, it's been difficult as a lighting designer, you know, those early stages of realizing that we weren't going to be back in a theater. That was, like, the for, most disheartening thing. Yeah, yeah, that was, you know, really, something really s s tough to work through, knowing that w none of us are going to be back in a theater 
in a really long time. Yeah. And, you know, I ha- I struggled with a long time trying to think about how I, as a lighting designer, could still work through the pandemic and still do, you know, what inspires me and what mm-hmm. what I love. And, you know, I, I still haven't come up with anything yet. City Hall. City Hall. Right. I, de- I need to hit <laughs> up City Hall. Uh, and we get but you know I've kind of found that through photography a little bit yeah even though I need to get out there and take more photos yeah. this week's been pretty busy mm-hmm. but you know there's a lot that can be done with zoom theater but you know I'm not personally a fan of zoom theater either yeah. Garvey it is more of a reading and mm-hmm. I just, it's not theater. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to make it seem like... I mean, it is theater. Yeah. But it's not like the theater that we know and yes. fell in love with, right. you yeah. know? Because these people, I mean, people who do Zoom theater just want to have a live performance. Right. Yeah. And I get that feeling. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, I feel like it takes away from the actual work. If you you play into the idea that this is a play, it's just on Zoom. Now, if it's a reading, like Kayla was saying, I I'm all for that because that makes sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. Do you think Zoom theater diminishes the work of the playwright and the actors? Yes, it takes away. It, like you cannot create the same experience. That you would on stage, right? Yeah. Between actor and actor, mm-hmm. that you would on Zoom because you're mm-hmm. not there with them. It's really hard to act on Zoom, just like it's hard to be on Zoom in general. Right. Mm-hmm. All of the like memes that we see on Facebook of people at work <laughs> yeah. in Zoom with a button up and no pants on, right? Or like <laughs> eating their lunch off camera, things like that. It's hard to be present on Zoom. It is hard to be present on Zoom. You know, we were in school on Zoom. What do we think theater will look like coming out of this pandemic? Or what content do you think is going to be created? What plays or writings that are just going to come out of this time? I feel like there's going to be a lot of plays directly about the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, I have this picture of, you know, um, like a one of those old-timey, old white man plays that we studied <laughs> while in school, but just... Like, I see this, like, fading to black of this person just sitting on their couch with a computer in front of them. Like, I just, I have this image of this play. Masks on stage. Masks on stage in, like, a New York City. Yes. 2020. (laughs) I mean, it's exactly that kind of. Because that's just, this is just a fact of life now. This is just. I think it's going to take a while for for us to, like, see plays about now i think that there will be a level of like taste of what people want to see yeah mm-hmm. let's say almost like a too soon when this is actually <laughs> over over the first like plays that we want to go see we don't want them to be about covid yeah, yeah. but right. give a few years after that they'll start mm-hmm. coming up right we'll oh my goodness have have anybody has anybody here seen the new season of blackish no no it takes place during quarantine and it's crazy it's like a little time capsule of everything that has been happening over the past couple months and it's actually really 
nice. Like, it is actually really nice to watch, and it's not super cringy, and it's not like, oh, why are we have, have to focus like, on... Oh, everyone's doing Yeah, this. because yeah. that show has always been based around, what's like, happening actual reality yeah. and, like, True. current events and what's mm-hmm. going on, True. and it's still doing that. And I think it's really smart of the show to do that, but also, it's a really great season. It's relevant. Yeah. And it will stay relevant, and Mm -hmm. it will be a part of history. Like, we'll definitely show our kids. I have always said that I wanted to live through history. And now that I'm here, in this (laughs) moment, (laughs) now Now that that we're living through history, there have been some really great positive changes and conversations. With everybody being forced to stay home, it is forcing a lot of people to look closer at the government and everything that is wrong with it which is and themselves and themselves and themselves themselves. people have been doing a lot of self-work uh but with as we know the the murder of george floyd and brianna taylor the black lives matter movement has been gaining a lot more traction lately and while there were several protests especially in dc happening a lot of the theaters in the dc community opened their doors to protesters yeah yeah support so not only has the black lives matter movement been gaining a lot of traction on june 8th a group of bipoc theater makers under the name we see white american theater released a list of demands essentially they released a Anti-Racist Work Safety Manual. It's 29 pages for free that they have provided the theater community. And that is everything from universities to professional theaters, regional theaters. It's rooted in the principles from August Wilson's The Ground on Which I Stand. And what they hope to provide is an introduction of white American theater to itself and what initially started out with 341 signatories has now gathered over 82,000 signatures. So oftentimes theaters in attempt to be inclusive and supportive unfortunately end up tokenizing BIPOC staff and educators and actors and designers in order to educate their audiences on racial matters, but also the theater community has put a lot of responsibility on BIPOC theater makers to educate everybody. Mm-hmm. That is a very mm-hmm. traumatic thing For sure. to do. And it's, it's, it's understandable why theaters want those voices to be represented and want to teach their audiences about why it's important to educate yourselves on black lives, indigenous lives, people of color, and their experience in this country. But the way to go about it has just been, it's been abused. It's, so it, it feels a lot less genuine when you are putting the responsibility on someone who has constantly their whole life saying, hey, listen to me, understand me, know that I matter, right. know that we exist. But now with so much insincerity behind it, Mm. it's not actually solving any problem. Right. How about an an apology? Yeah. I would like to read the closing statement from The Ground We Stand On. This is directly from the We See You, W-A-T, whiteamericantheater.com. We stand on this ground as BIPOC theater makers, multi-generational, and varied stages in our careers, but fiercely in love with the theater. Too much to continue under its abuse. 
We will wrap the least privileged among us in the protection and fearlessly share our many truths. About theaters, executive leaders, critics, casting directors, agents, unions, commercial producers, universities, and training programs. We are all a part of this house of cards built on white fragility and supremacy. And this is a house that we will not stand. This ends today. We are about to introduce you to yourself. Signed, The Ground We Stand On. That last bit of, we are going to introduce you to yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really That's well That's the whole purpose of this. This was written really for white people to, mm-hmm. for white theater makers and white yeah. people and white theater goers to understand that we know that you want to make a difference. We know that you want to educate audiences. We know that you want to consider yourself allies, but we see these efforts and they're not good enough. They actually say what is good enough in their statements and in their list of demands. Mm -hmm. As a white theater maker, I'm always trying to better myself as an artist in the stories I tell and how they're told. That's something that's so important that's so often looked over mm-hmm. that we see white American theater has really, I think, very poignantly highlighted. Yeah. And for Marcus and myself as white theater makers at the beginning of our professional career outside of school, to like have mm-hmm. these cultural conversations happening right now, I feel like it almost like, you never know, it could be preemptively correcting a lot of mistakes that, like, I could have made years down the line. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If this, like, hasn't been spoken about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's... Exactly. You know, I personally have a lot of gratitude towards people who, you know, put all this together. As, you know, a lot of it talks about is, like, stop using that BIPOC labor to, like, Mm -hmm. make yourselves feel better. I mean, this is, like, part of that, like, labor, I guess, you know. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. hopefully there's a lot less of, like, will you tell me why I'm doing what I'm doing wrong? Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, it's like, yeah. This so is it's like resource. here is your safety data sheet this is your anti-racism manual yeah yeah and the fact that that even has to be written it makes perfect sense to me it makes perfect sense to me why it has to be written i mean it's hard not to be racist when you have grown up in a systematically racist country yeah it is and you know it's it's one <laughs> thing to be a non-racist white person but to be an anti-racist white person yeah. mm-hmm. and actively supporting BIPOC communities. And it's just, you know, a lot of white people do need that guide yeah, mm-hmm. and that guidebook and what to say, what not to say. And I know um, we see you white American theater, a lot of what they have posted, especially on their Instagram, is boards of different big theaters yes. across the country. And, you know, those boards that would decide the seasons and mm-hmm. the people who work there and just mm-hmm. how overwhelmingly white they are. Mm-hmm. They white. They white. Yeah. And the manual does cover everything from the hiring process to language and how to run rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Earlier on in the statement, it mentions, We have watched you attend one undoing racism workshop expounding to funders you are doing the work without any changes to your programming or leadership. You've been unwilling to say the words anti-racism to the boards out of fear of them divesting from your institutions prioritizing their privilege over our safety. We see you. We have watched you promote anti-blackness again and again. We see you. We have watched you say things like, I may be white, but I'm a woman, or I may be white, but I'm gay, as if oppression isn't multi-layered. We see you. 
we have watched you exploit us, shame us, diminish us, and exclude us. We see you. We have always seen you. And now, you will see us. Mm. Let us pray. Let us pray. I mean, um, I think it's really powerful that they say as if oppression isn't multi-layered. Because even if you may be a white minority, whether that be gay or a woman or whatever, whatever. yeah, whatever. yeah. I, I mean, it doesn't release you of that inherent racism that white people have Yeah, growing up in a systemically racist country. Yeah. And we as white people need to do better. I surely hope that all these efforts to raise awareness of the lack of inclusion in the theater community is actually i hope it works that that is something that stays from now and be like thank god yeah Yeah. like this really was able to like unearth a lot of issues and allow us to Mm -hmm. solve them Mm -hmm. and we're part of the solution fixing that we are definitely have to advocate more for ourselves Mm -hmm. and allies have to advocate yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Completely. For sure. I theater mean, theater has always tried to has always tried to be a voice for the people. They've always tried to reflect the community as best they can. So it's great that now we can say, "Here is your guideline to do that." Because even if you want to try, it doesn't mean you're doing a good job. Right. All we're asking yeah. is for you to see us because you've been blind to your own actions. Right. And after this, there's, like, no excuse. Yeah. Right. For, like, messing up. Mm -hmm. I don't know any BIPOC artist who hasn't been or felt tokenized. Yeah. At least once. Like, it... It, I mean, it comes with... That's a fact of life, and you take it because it's work. Being black or being someone of color. Yeah. In general. And you take it because it's work, and they really try to convince you that it's... It's good. It's so important that you're here. Right. You have to tell this story because if you don't, who will? That's what you're told. Mm-hmm. And then you do it. And then you do it. Because who will if you don't? Mm-hmm. Or if you don't, someone else will. I mean, they might not tell it to its truth or right. as well as it could have been done. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, theater's always been like a safe space, yada, yada, yada. Clearly, it like hasn't been. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Or, like often. Yeah. You know? And you know, you... you you don't notice it when you're younger, for right. sure, because you're you're like, oh, I'm just like everyone else. We're just mm-hmm. doing this all together. Mm-hmm. And then you notice, you start to notice you're not getting these roles, even though maybe you deserve those roles. Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. or maybe you, you start realizing you're only getting a certain kind of role. And that, I mean, it's frustrating. Yeah. Or maybe your work isn't being presented so much as other people's because maybe your story isn't up to par. It's always something. And I, I feel yeah, like... Yeah, there is always a... Re- there's always something. I feel like that happens a little too often. Yeah, it does. When I was, when I was younger, I definitely was under the impression that like, oh, I, I can't even be a lead because I'm not white. I could never be in this show or be this role because this is for a white person. Right. So you just I discredit always, yourself yeah. automatically. Yeah. Because how was I supposed to understand that if I'm not if I'm not seeing anybody who looks like me on stage or ever in these roles, then those are roles that aren't meant for me. Mm-hmm. And we we get used to how 
you know, characters and shows are portrayed mm-hmm. so that actually if a character like if it nothing in the script indicates what color they are, if we've been seeing them yeah as like a white lead for so long, mm-hmm. that's what that becomes. Yeah. Right? You know? Mm-hmm. Or and then if you're lucky you get the black, best friend. It's gonna be it'll be stuck that way forever. forever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, which is why I think Hamilton was such a uh, such a groundbreaking piece of musical theater. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, musical theater has always been extremely white. Most of the leading roles are white. Most of the characters have always been portrayed as white. And with a folk cast of BIPOC characters playing these historically white men, mm-hmm. um... You know, it's funny to think of George Washington as historically white. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, History has portrayed him as white, (laughs) but even still, Hamilton has gotten a lot of backlash and accusations of them being racist for not allowing white people to audition, for sending out casting calls that says looking for BIPOC artists. That makes no sense. Yeah. Especially because there, like, <laughs> were white people in the show. They were, like, in the ensemble. Sure, they were, like, playing right. the king, whatever. Yeah. And the creator, Lin-Mo Miranda, has said multiple times that white people can be in this show as yeah. long as they can do the music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the part. That's the yeah. kicker. Or he was like, you know, George Washington can be played by, like, a white woman. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. They can play that. We haven't been swearing this whole time, but I just did now, so... I said, did we? I think fuck. we might have a few times. And oh, hell. maybe. Okay. You press record and said shit. <laughs> <laughs> As well. Okay. Mm-hmm. And especially taking that story of you know something that is inherently white, the founding of America, mm-hmm. and putting not only black actors in those roles, but black music. That's a genre. I say that like Lin-Manuel Miranda is black, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's another issue that I'm not qualified to talk about. We know. No, no. I mean, it's nice to know that, like, all our concerns and all our our thoughts are being heard, and it was heard in that musical because you're mm-hmm. you're, you're pulling from popular culture. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, it's not even like culture. Our culture is so much different and so 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 hated. It's popular. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it it only makes sense to promote that. Yeah. It was groundbreaking because it's so different, and groundbreaking because of how mainstream it got. Yeah. Because everybody knew about it. Everybody wanted to listen to it. Mm -hmm. Yada, 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 yada. Which we can talk all day long about how annoying that might be. But really, it's good for us. It is good for us. It really, I feel like it really popularized Broadway. Because after Mm -hmm. Hamilton, there was, you know, Dear Evan Hansen. Mm -hmm. And then there was Beetlejuice. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I, I feel like it created a surge of young Contemporary young theater. contemporary theater and young theater goers mean as girls. well. Yeah, Mean, mean Girls, girls uh, Prom, Prom, Heather's, Heather's, Carrie. You know the list goes on and on. Oh, Carrie. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> <so laughs> we're getting. Yeah. 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 Heather's, so Heather's is a bit back there. <laughs> when is when it back too far? When is Heather's from then? Heather's is from the eighties. Yeah, Heather's is pretty old. Yeah. Well, well, I know the movie's from the, the 80s. The yeah. Well, the musical, the musical but it, that was also all Broadway. Yeah, maybe oh, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I apologize. I'm not a musical expert. <laughs> that was high school, though. It, it became really popular. Heather's when... was like 2016. Yeah. 
Which is when Hamilton was popular. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I feel like that's why it really surged because of Hamilton. Yeah. yeah. And like people were like, oh, there's another musical that's out. <laughs> and it's feathers. <laughs> yeah. Um, what does that happen in movies? Why do you have 30 year olds playing high schoolers? That makes me so upset. Yeah. Isn't it? But there's also certain things that I don't want to. Yeah, I was going to say, like, there's certain. Yeah, but that's. Yeah, but you could still get people who look young. Yeah. These people look 30. I look like I'm 14. Yeah. I look like I'm 14. The cast is like hot as fuck. They do not look like sophomores. (laughs) (laughs) No. And make sure you're keeping up with the fun. Follow us on Instagram at fun.theater and visit our website, www.funtheatercollective.com.